Marcus Paul, almost a public figure. Marcus Paul in the morning. Marcus Paul in the morning. Marcus Paul in the mornings, right across Australia. On the iHeartRadio and TuneIn Radio apps. The biggest issues. The biggest guess. Marcus Paul in the morning starts now. Good morning and welcome to Thursday. Really good to have your company wherever you're listening to us around Australia. Marcus Paul in the morning, live on, of course, starterfm.com.au. Um, make sure you, you look it up on your mobile device. If you're travelling in the train to work or whatever, uh, going for a walk, whatever you're doing. Uh, make sure you can download it as well. Um, and uh, if you want to, get on the iHeartRadio app and listen to us that way to search Starter FM or Marcus Paul in the morning. We're on TuneIn as well. And uh, later in the day, uh, you can listen back to the podcast and broadcast, which many of you do. And thank you for it. Okay, look, today uh, I'm going to outline a couple of banks that have made a move uh, on the Reserve Bank's announcement of lifting interest rates. I think where one goes, the rest will follow. There's no doubt about that. They're very lax when it comes to, you know, giving you money. But when it comes to when interest rates rise, you know what I'm talking about. For those that have uh, deposits of money, you know, hoping to make a, a, a few dollars off whatever um, savings they have, they're very slow to pass on those rates. But as soon as there's an official interest rate hike, whoa, off they go. Well, all the big ones, I think, are starting to move now. We'll get some details on that for you soon. Look, also adding, uh, this all this morning's program will feature a lot about cost of living pressures. Uh, and I'm going to talk about the issues with fruit and veg, and we'll use the lettuce as an example. The old humble lettuce hasn't had so much press since I can't remember. I mean, 8 to $10 for a lettuce head, depending on where you go, and that's if your supermarket even has any. Why? What's happening with our fruit and veg prices? A perfect storm, if you like, that's only adding to increased pressure on prices in the household budget as inflation soars and interest rates go up. So I'll go through that detail. Uh, there's some news too, uh, politics-wise. Um, look, I know that the federal government, the new Anthony Albanese-led Labor government, will move on a, an anti-corruption commission at a federal level. They're hoping to have one uh, through by the end of the year. But Albo's been busy in his first couple of weeks in the job traversing Southeast Asia. Uh, he was in Japan in his first week, and he's just come back from... Uh, the uh, uh, Indonesia, of course, where he's looking to increase trade. Now, I think this is a really good move. The better relationship we have in the Indo-Pacific, Southeast Asia, trading-wise with Indonesia, Japan, etc., etc., you know, the better we'll be in relation to the whole China issue. Uh, by the way, Malaysia... They are loving the fact that we have a, a Malaysian-born or Malaysian heritage foreign minister in Penny Wong. Very happy with that. Okay, so that's on the way. Some great music coming up to keep you company on this Thursday morning as well. As always, we'll keep you updated with the latest news from the newsroom at Air, Air News. Uh, we'll update you all the news headlines on the half hour and a full bulletin each hour right here on Marcus Paul in the morning around Australia.
Make no mistake, and Australians understand this, that the next three years under Labor is going to be tough for the Australian people. The next three years are going to be really tough. Three disastrous and incompetent years. So strap yourself in. I think it is going to be difficult for families and for small businesses under Labor. All that, those manufacturing jobs, they'll just disappear. The plan of the government is to make the workforce bigger by making all those people who are owners of independent firms go bankrupt. Well, it really means the devastation of most of Australia's business and pr- production, our exports. And it certainly is a grave concern for the coal industry, uh, for energy, and also for um, our farming industry. We are going to have identity politics yep. on steroids. But what Labor really wants to do is go far beyond flying extra flags. What we're now going to see is the very same racist policies that are destroying New Zealand now being brought to Australia to destroy Australia. They're going to have the culture wars yes. as policy exactly. every yep. single yep. day. Where Parliament obsesses over woke identity politics, climate and Indigenous issues as the economy grinds to a halt under their watch. No petrol or diesel vehicles after 2030. They are going to be a bad government. There's no doubt in my mind about that. Because it's so obvious where this is going, philosophically. It's moving ultimately to an official apartheid. And it just makes me so, so angry because this country is better than that. The Albanese government will change this country and replace it with some sort of extraordinary new world order. Now we are faced with three years of hardcore left-wing government that will destroy the fabric of this nation. We will see our living standards crushed, our livelihoods damaged, our cultural institutions devastated, our kids' future prosperity decimated. Rivers and seas boiling. Forty years of darkness, earthquakes, volcanoes. The dead rising from the grave. Human sacrifice, dogs and cats living together. Mass hysteria. Extremism is, you know, an artist fall in the morning. Injecting emotion. Okay, let's get into it on this Thursday. I thought I'd start with uh, a good story. The Billawilla Tamil asylum seeker family finally departing Perth yesterday on a long awaited trip back to Queensland. The Tamil asylum seeker family at the centre of this decade-long immigration battle thank the people of Perth for their support as they began their journey back to their adopted hometown of Biloela. The family flew out of Western Australia bound for Queensland where they will live in the community on bridging visas while their immigration case is being resolved in court. Priya, Nadis and their daughters Kopika and Thanika were met by media as they arrived at Perth Airport early yesterday morning ahead of their flight, which departed just before 9am. The two little ones were both dressed looking beautiful in pink. They were a bit shy in front of the bright and flashing lights of the assembled media. But they were all smiles as they clung on to their parents and long-running campaigner and friend, Angela Fredericks. Now, Thanika, who will celebrate her fifth birthday on Sunday, her first birthday outside of immigration detention, mind you, and Kopika, who's seven, were both holding toy cockatoos, which, as we know, have become a symbol of the Home to Bilo campaign. While at first declining to talk to the media and appearing overwhelmed, both little girls shared a few words before entering the terminal. 
Now, Coppy said she was excited for her younger sister's upcoming birthday, with Tharnika adding she was having a pink party, as it was her favourite colour. Now, Priya, um, the mum, gave a brief statement in English before Nardis spoke in Tamil, both thanking those who had helped them get to this point. Priya said, Tomorrow is one year staying in Perth since I came when my daughter was very sick. We are very grateful to all of the people at the Perth Children's Hospital, the staff who helped. I have made some great friends. Me and my family are very happy to start our journey back to my community in Bilo. Thank you to all of you people in Perth. Love you. Uh, That is what Priya had to say. Now, the family, of course, have been in detention for the past four years after immigration officials detained them back in 2018. Two weeks ago, Labor announced after winning the federal election that the family would be allowed to return to Biloela. It was an election promise. Prime Minister Anthony Albanese said the treatment of the family over the past four years should never be repeated. He said immigration officials grabbed this family in the middle of the night, took them down to Melbourne, then took them to Christmas Island. They've ended up in Perth after these little girls who were born in Australia suffered not just mental health issues, but physical health issues as well. No people should be treated in this way. Now, the Prime Minister said the family were, quote, loved and wanted by their local community. He said he was very proud we brought this family home. Yeah, for the life of me, I still can't understand why the former government didn't do the same. We know it's been a long battle for this family to call call Australia home. Priya and Nadis came to Australia separately by boat in 2012 and 2013. Friends and support groups say the pair fled Sri Lanka because of the persecution of the Tamil people. The couple married and settled in Biloela, where they lived and worked for around three years on temporary bridging visas with both Kopika and Tharnika born in Australia. Now, the Home to Bilo grassroots campaign has kept national attention on the asylum-seeking Tamil family since they were taken from Biloela in 2018. The family was eventually removed to Christmas Island, where they spent the better part of two years in the detention centre before being brought to Perth in 2021 when Tharnika required urgent medical attention. The Department of Home Affairs has consistently said their case for asylum was comprehensively assessed and the family did not meet the strict Australia protection obligations. Their fate, as we know, hung on a change of government and the new Labor government swiftly granted the family bridging visas, allowing them to return to Biloela while they awaited their case to be resolved in court. Well... We can only hope that this family eventually are finally able to call Australia home full-time. All right, well, as I've said, this is the year of the strike, uh, even though we've had a change of federal government And uh, the latest came yesterday with hundreds, if not thousands, of New South Wales public sector workers 
walking off the job, demanding better pay. And that's despite the Perrottet government offering a 3% increase. Members of the Public Service Association, including prison guards, court sheriffs, child protection officers, school support staff and customer service workers all gathered en masse on Macquarie Street in Sydney near New South Wales State Parliament. Now, of course, the workers are demanding a 5.2% pay increase that's in line with inflation and for the government to abolish the public sector salary cap. Stuart Little, who's the Public Service Association General Secretary, said, why aren't we receiving the same treatment as those other frontline workers? I'll tell you why, because Perrottet does not have a plan when it comes to inflation or the cost of living. The workers, of course, were also, as I pointed out yesterday, unimpressed about the $3,000 appreciation payment on offer to some healthcare workers in the state, and they've questioned why this has not been extended to other public service employees. And of course, as we know, the cops were pretty pissed off that they weren't included as well in this one-off thank you payment of $3,000. Now, many workers claim they also deserve the payment after working on the front line during the COVID-19 pandemic. Now, New South Wales Premier Dominic Perrottet said the three grand payments for health workers plus promised pay rises of 3% for other frontline workers in New South Wales announced last week is more than anywhere else in the nation. Now, the Premier said the challenging times that we face require a responsible approach. That's exactly what's happened. Everyone across New South Wales is going through a difficult time, he said, referring to the interest rate hike. Difficult times call for governments to act responsibly. It would be easy for us to sit here and give in to the union bosses and demands, but we don't work for the unions. We work for the people of New South Wales. All right, well, of course, um, adding fuel to the fire was the 2% increase to MP salaries, with some, including the Premier, receiving an $8,000 a year pay rise. Talk about rubbing salt into the wound. Multiple sectors in the state have taken industrial action recently, including transport workers and teachers, and they're all calling on the government for a pay rise and better working conditions. Please feel free to comment on our social media, Marcus Paul in the morning. By the way, the pandemic's not finished. It's still going on. So that, those words will scare people because they're thinking we're just getting back to life and you're telling us from the WHO it's not over. Yeah, welcome back. Marcus Paul in the morning on the ninth day of June on this Thursday. Great to have your company. Uh, look, I'm no vegetarian, vegan or otherwise, but I do like a good salad. I, for whatever reason, have always loved lettuce. Cabbage ain't bad either. <laughs> but we're being warned to get used to a cabbage in our burgers or paying more than 10 bucks each for a lettuce with no end in sight for high fruit and vegetable prices. Uh, well, <laughs> the cost of certain fresh produce like lettuce and tomatoes has more than doubled over the last few weeks. As the industry warns, these prices are set to continue for months. 
Along with these price hikes are supply chain disruptions that are resulting in empty supermarket shelves. I'm looking at a couple of pictures here in one of our big supermarkets. No lettuce to be found anywhere. Didn't I say yesterday um, there were photographs of lettuces selling for up to $10 each? Come on. While the sudden price spike hit quickly, wholesalers say it will take longer for prices to come down as growers face a perfect storm of bad conditions. Anthony Joseph, who's a fruit and vegetable wholesaler and exporter, said wet weather in southeast Queensland meant growers lost one crop and struggled to plant the next one as freezing temperatures set in. Mr Joseph, who is the managing director of Alfred E. Chave at the Brisbane Markets, said the flood event in February was detrimental to land preparation for the autumn and winter crops, which he said caused the gap in supply experienced over the past four to six weeks. The February flood was swiftly followed by another catastrophic rain event that hit the Lockyer Valley right as lettuce was due to be harvested, and that wiped out the entire crop. But now, Mr Joseph said the cold front moving in would prevent farmers from quickly growing more food, which would otherwise ease the shortage. He said the really concerning thing about this is that we've got these high pressure systems coming through as we head into winter and we're going to see really low temperatures. We've got ground that's wet and cold, so crops aren't going to grow in these conditions. Well, when will the prices start to come back down? The combination of crops lost to rain and struggling plantings due to the cold weather means wholesalers expect the shortage of fresh produce to last for at least the next couple of months. The chair of the New South Wales Chamber of Fresh Produce, Carlo Trimboli, he said... As long as the supply was low across the country and demand continued, so would the high prices. He estimated that his wholesale supply was down by 80%. It's really critical, he said. The prices of produce are high, but the volume that normally goes through the central market system and through to retailers is dramatically reduced. So while it might be tempting to think farmers and suppliers are profiting from the high prices, The actual reality is prices are high because many simply don't have any crops to sell. So no one, therefore, is really benefiting. And that's the honest truth. Prices are strong and some farmers are getting potentially high prices, but their volumes are down. And there's also a lot of farms that missed out on a crop altogether. So no one effectively is getting ahead. Now, out near Stanthorpe in southern Queensland... There are a number of growers who have never seen their produce sold for so much. Andrew Gasperin said veggies like cauliflower and wombuck lettuce were going for 10 bucks each or $80 a box. And while for consumers it feels like a sudden spike, he says prices had been up for most of the season. He said we probably averaged $40 a box for the whole season. I'd say a normal season we averaged 20 per box. But the Gasparin brothers, like many other growers, have not had an easy season. Uh, They've had lots of days trudging through paddocks, cutting vegetables and gumboots and walking through mud and bogging tractors. 
we're at least getting double what we normally would get, but we need our prices to go up now because all of our commodities have gone up. There have been big price increases, of course, in fertilisers, fuel, and even just our packaging costs are going up 70 cents per unit. So even while for some growers, the prices are good, if you are lucky enough to produce to sell it, it costs more to grow it, costs more to pack it and ship it, which means that many farmers are not actually making any more money than in the past year. Those costs are high due to global factors like the war in Ukraine, which for many means it was hard to know when the costs might ease. What are you paying? I mean, the problem is, as I've mentioned, and I, I think we touched on it yesterday as well, it's still very soggy in our uh, growing communities. You know, going into the next season, paddocks remain soaking wet. So that makes it difficult for farmers to prep for growing if it does stay wet. They can't get on to get their ground ready. So in the future, prices could also increase and be even higher. Oh dear, oh dear. So there we go. Going to be paying a little bit more for our fruit and veggies for a little while yet. Marcus Paul in the morning. Hey, I came here to be drugged, electrocuted and probed, not insulted. Now, a little calendar reminder today that it's uh, 14 days to go on the deadline set by the federal court for Twitter to make public the secret identity of <gasps> PR guy. PR guy. How did you know? Now, if you've been following the legal stoush behind this court judgment... Shut up, boy. You'll know that PR Guy is a Twitter account... Why doesn't mine look like that? ...with over 78,000 followers that's been accused of being a troll... But the Simpsons are on TV. ...for the Andrews government to harass and intimidate anyone speaking out against Labor or the Victorian Premier in particular. They give me a fair work most days, so I'll be delighted to know who's behind it now. What's the big deal? Yo, that's your little plan. It's been alleged the PR guy is the Twitter handle of a staffer inside the Premier's private office. Now, we don't know that. Get us addicted then. Don't know that. Jack up the price. But thanks to citizen journalist Avi Remini, Avi Remini, who commenced this legal action, Pretty soon we'll know just who is behind this hard left and often abusive activist account. Hey, I'm the chief here. Take him away, Ty. Okay, welcome back. Marcus Paul in the morning, live around Australia on starterfm.com.au, the iHeartRadio platform, and of course on the podcast, the Prawncast. Please give us a subscription on our YouTube channel and follow our social media. Marcus Paul in the morning on Facebook, and we're also on Twitter and Instagram as well. Well, it didn't take long, did it, before one of the big banks moved to pass on the Reserve Bank of Australia's interest rates as cost of living crisis continues to deepen across Australia. Westpac, yeah. They were the first big bank to pass on the Reserve Bank's 0.5% interest rate rise with the remaining big three expected to follow suit in the coming days. The RBA, as you know, announced the rate rise the largest in 22 years on Tuesday afternoon, and there has been no response as yet from the Commonwealth, the National Australia Bank and the ANZ. 
Households are being warned to expect the same rate rise next month, which would bring the cash rate to 1.35%. Now, monthly rises are set to continue until Christmas, when rates are tipped to peak at 2.5%, meaning Australians will be paying an extra $716 a month on the average $600,000 mortgage. The pain doesn't end there either, with fixed rates of many mortgages set to expire next year. Now, new Treasurer Jim Chalmers yesterday acknowledged the rate rise would heap even more pressure on family budgets and add to cost of living stress. He said this inflation challenge will get harder before it gets easier. Now, of course, the financial pain is not just hurting households, but also makes it more expensive for the government to pay down debt. Soaring power prices also continue to add to the pain for homeowners and renters as well. Energy Minister Chris Bowen yesterday met with state and territory counterparts to decide a response that could involve improving transparency around the gas market. The ministers considered giving new powers to regulators to monitor electricity and gas markets. It came amid a warning from peak bodies who say there will be intense and lasting pain for households and businesses if a solution isn't found. All right, maybe you care to comment on our social media on that. Marcus Paul in the morning. Okay, welcome back. Thursday morning, the 9th day of June. Just an addendum to the story that I mentioned earlier. Uh, Westpac, of course, the first of the big banks to move on the official interest rate hike by the Reserve on Tuesday. But I neglected to mention the Macquarie Bank. They're also going to move as well, as expected. Um, But I don't know too many people that bank with Macquarie. Do you? Uh, Look, I know a lot of businesses probably do, but um, they're not necessarily one of the big banks, if you like, certainly for for home owners and home buyers, mortgages and all the rest of it. Anyway, I just thought I'd add that because um, I should have mentioned it before. Marcus Paul in the morning. Uh, If you would like to follow us on our social media, please do that. Uh, We're on YouTube these days, Marcus Paul in the morning. And of course, most of your comments come through on our Facebook page, and I do appreciate that. Well, police in Sydney are investigating the suspicious deaths of two sisters. Awful story. Their bodies were found inside a unit in Sydney's southwest. This is in Canterbury. Emergency services were called to the home on Canterbury Road near Dibb Street after a concern for welfare report at 9.30 in the morning on Tuesday. Now, it's understood the women's bodies were discovered when an eviction warrant was served by the sheriff and landlord after their rent was overdue. Now, Detective Inspector Claudia Allcroft briefed the media yesterday. She said, we believe the two women are sisters aged 23 and 24. Now, they haven't been formally identified. Police said the pair were found in separate bedrooms and it's believed the bodies had been there for more than a month. There are no obvious signs of injury, but we know we will know more once post-mortem examinations are conducted, said the police. But, uh, I mean, I didn't realise the ages of these women. 23 and 24. 
However, police do say the deaths appear to be suspicious. There are no obvious signs of forced entry, though, to the premises, the police added. A crime scene was set up and the unit has been examined by specialist forensic police. They've launched an investigation into the circumstances surrounding the women's deaths. Um, Detective Allcroft said it's a very tragic scene when we go to any deceased persons, let alone two sisters. Residents in the building uh, naturally were shocked to hear of the deaths. One woman said it's pretty awful. You just never expected to happen near you. I didn't know them, but nonetheless, it's so sad. Another woman added, I'm scared, I'm worried, I'm trying to protect my children. I don't know what happened. Anyway, importantly, police have asked anyone with any information on what may have happened to these two sisters, aged 23 and 24, in Canterbury, to get in contact with Burwood Police Station in Sydney, 02 9745 8499. That number again, 02-9745-8499. And as always, Crime Stoppers, their number is available, one 800 But isn't that an awful story? A 23, 24-year-old uh, sisters discovered inside a, a home, a unit in Canterbury by the sheriff and also the landlord who came knocking because the rent was overdue. Well, obviously, there's a pretty good reason for that. Awful story. All right, Marcus, Paul in the morning, if you would like to have your say, 0406-521-250. Uh, don't forget, too, I've got a, a video. If you missed my chat with young Ben, one of my regular callers and followers over the years, he dialed in the other day and we got back to him and we had a really good chat. Ben was off the Kool-Aid for the morning, too, for the, by the sounds of it. Anyway, if you missed that chat, there's a video up on the Facebook page there that you might want to listen back to. Marcus Paul in the morning. Yeah, welcome back, Marcus Paul in the morning. Great to have you company on this Thursday, the ninth day of June. Hold the phone. It's like a, a landslide of big banks deciding... <laughs> to increase their rates. I started off this morning by saying only one or two of them had. Here they come. The Commonwealth Bank will increase home loan variable interest rates by 0.5% per annum. There we go. Following the RBA's cash rate decision, the Commonwealth Bank of Australia, which is Australia's most popular, will increase home loan variable interest rates by 0.5% per annum. There we go. Um, who else? Oh, here we go, the National Australia Bank. They will increase their standard variable home loan interest rates by 0.5% per annum, and customers can access a 12-month term deposit special for their savings, apparently. So there we go. Uh, like I say, the NAB, the Commonwealth Bank, joining, of course, Westpac. So all the big ones, you know, uh, one goes and then they all follow suit. It's just a matter of who, you know, starts the ball rolling. Well, in some other news, I, I read yesterday the Sydney airport are looking for staff. If you're after a gig, I reckon the airport would be a, a wonderful, exciting place to work. I think every day it'd be different. There'd be different people there, obviously, travellers and all the rest of it. You know, um, celebrities, dignitaries, politicians. 
Sydney Airport needs staff to work in security, ground handling, customs and border control, and terminal services and retail. So the airport is holding a jobs fair. It's happening next Thursday, June the 16th, in the T1 International Terminal. Sydney Airport CEO Jeff Colbert said 15,000 jobs were lost at the airport during the pandemic. And even though everyone started recruiting heavily when borders looked like opening, they still have 5,000 roles to fill. Really? 5,000 roles still to fill. There we go. Marcus Paul in the morning. Okay, uh, well, just um, some more information in relation to the interest rate hike. Um, a lot of comparisons are being made. Look, everybody's circumstances will be different depending on what your loan is and how much you borrowed and what you, um, you know, what you owe. But imagine having to buy a new washing machine every single month. That is the economic reality facing hundreds of thousands of Australian homeowners who are staring down the barrel of consecutive interest rate rises alongside the already skyrocketing cost of living. Analysis from ratecity.com.au shows that if the Reserve Bank hikes rates every month, borrowers will be facing a national cash rate of now 2.1% by Christmas. Now, I don't want to be alarmist. Nobody's suggesting that is official, but that's what some economists and in this case, Rate City are suggesting. So for someone with a half a million dollar mortgage, and that's pretty conservative. I know people with much greater mortgage than that, but for someone with a half a million dollar mortgage, that is an increase in monthly payments of around $542. And that's roughly the cost of a new washing machine or maybe servicing the car. Visiting the dentist. Oh, don't dentists charge like wounded bulls. Trust me, I know. I've been getting a lot of work done recently, as you know. And yes, you feel it in the hip pocket. Or maybe buying a new pair of glasses. Really? You go somewhere like Specsavers. You get two for 180 bucks, isn't it? Anyway, uh, but that's what they're saying. You know, for someone on a roughly half a million dollar mortgage, every rate rise each month means... You might as well be buying, a, uh, I guess, a new washing machine or servicing your car, etc. Ah, not good. Marcus Paul in the morning. I'd love to get your comments on any of those stories. You can do it on our social media, our Facebook page in particular. There's new content that goes up there each and every day. Righto, welcome back. Marcus Paul in the morning, live around Australia on starterfm.com.au, iHeartRadio, tune in and on the podcast, The Prawncast. Let's get into a little uh, politics now. And as you know, the Prime Minister, Anthony Albanese, has returned from yet another overseas trip. That's two in two weeks. Improved ties within, at least he's not travelling that far. Indonesia and originally Japan, but improved ties with Indonesia would allow for Australia to better diversify its economy amid growing Indo-Pacific tensions, according to Anthony Albanese. He wrapped up his two-day tour of Indonesia, declaring his first bilateral overseas visit as a Prime Minister to have been a success. Uh, 
The PM returned home, of course, late on Tuesday night, landing in Darwin following his trip to Jakarta and the eastern Indonesian city of Makassar. Now, he is set to meet with Northern Territory Chief Minister Natasha Fox. In fact, no, he's met with Natasha. That's right, that happened yesterday morning or across yesterday. And that was the announcement in relation to plans for NASA rockets to be launched into space from the top end. Yeah, uh, that's a that's a pretty good story if you're into, you know, all that space stuff. But, um, you know, I don't have the full details here. Yeah, I remember seeing something about that yesterday. What do you make of it? NASA rockets to be launched into space from Australia's top end. Well, it's not as if we haven't got enough room there. Um, Albo then travelled on to Sydney um, and, of course, he will be welcoming the New Zealand Prime Minister, Jacinda Ardern, here to Australia later today, with Indonesia expected to be among the top five economies in the world. A true story. Mr Albanese said boosting ties with the Asian nation is critical. He told reporters it's clearly in Australia's interest to boost that investment. Australia, in terms of Indonesia as a trading partner, is 13th on our list. It should be much higher than that. Albo was the first Australian Prime Minister to visit Makassar, indicating the country wanted to extend the relationship with Indonesia beyond just Jakarta and Bali. Now, the Prime Minister said he was looking looking to visit other regions of Indonesia upon his next visit to the country. Now, during that visit, he committed to attending the G20 summit being held in Bali in November, and that's despite Russian President Vladimir Putin also expected to be at the events. Now, with Indonesia hosting, Mr Albanese said the summit represented a major opportunity for the country. He also pledged to broaden relationships with ASEAN, committing to ties with the Indo-Pacific. Now, it's important that he does this, of course, because of the China situation. Despite previous federal governments also looking to boost Indonesian opportunities, Mr Albanese said the government intended to make positive steps in the area. He said, yesterday we've started getting it done. The presence here of not just myself, but my ministers, business leaders as well, has sent a very clear message. We're acting to make sure that we maximise the economic opportunities from engagement in our region, but also that we deal with the challenges which are here in our region too. Uh, The PM also indicated a delegation of Australian superannuation fund representatives would visit Indonesia in coming weeks to look at investment opportunities there. Well, there you go. I think it was a a pretty decent uh, jaunt over to Indonesia. Okay, meanwhile, in other news, Labor, uh, that's the federal government, they are refusing to rule out further cash payments to combat the perfect storm contributing to our soaring cost of living. Millions of low and middle income earners, as you know, will receive a one-off $420 offset to their tax return this year. That's That's in addition to the existing offset of up to $1,080 for workers earning less than $126,000. The offsets were measured, featured in the previous coalition government's final budget and were touted by then-Treasurer Josh Frydenberg as proportionate measures to combat rising costs. 
Now, the new government says it will do what it takes to drive down prices. So Employment and Workplace Relations Minister Tony Burke, he's been pretty busy, he wouldn't be drawn on whether Labor would reintroduce cash payments to combat cost of living. He told ABC Radio, we're not ruling anything in or out effectively at the moment. It's been a decade of no energy policy under the former government that has effectively led us to a situation where we've ended up with this perfect storm. Some of the issues are international, of course, but our capacity to be able to deal with those international issues is very much domestic. So there won't be a quick knee-jerk response. Yeah, uh, that came, of course, from Tony Burke. And he is the new Employment and Workplace Relations Minister. And hasn't he got a job ahead of him? Now, Mr Burke said the $420 payments had bipartisan support when they were introduced in the March budget. But he added the Labor government wasn't putting anything more on the table at the moment. Labor campaigned heavily on improved wages to combat the rising cost of living, as you know. ABS figures released only days before voters took to the poll show that wage growth was at some 2.4%. But that's only a fraction of the inflation rate, which, again, as you know, was reported in April to be 5.1%. That's prompted the Reserve Bank to hike the cash rate from a record low of 0.1 by 25 basis points. And, of course, then again last Tuesday by 0.5 basis points, leading it up to where it now sits at 0.85. All right, well, how much will you get in tax offsets? Okay, let's have a look. Those earning $37,000 or less, so part-time workers, casual workers, will receive an extra $675 offset in their tax return. Those earning between $37,000 and $48,000 receive between $675 and $1,500. Those earning between $48,000 and $90,000 will receive the maximum $1,500 offset. And those earning between $90,000 and $126,000 receive $1,500 minus $0.03 for every dollar over $90,000. And of course, those earning $126,000 or more will not receive a tax offset for this financial year. Yeah, Marcus Paul in the morning on a Thursday. Great to have your company on Starter FM, iHeartRadio, tune in and on the podcast, the Prawncast. Now, the other day, if you follow us on social media, you'll notice I put up a, a post that, uh, of course, the... New Prime Minister Anthony Albanese announced that he will call the lodge in Canberra home, unlike former Prime Minister Scott Morrison, who called Kirribilli House his official residence. Now, there are reasons for that, and I understood it, because uh, ScoMo's children lived in Sydney and went to school there. I got that, and there's no problem. Um, I mean, if I would prefer that the Prime Minister is in Canberra most of the time. Of course you would. Um, but, you know, family is extremely important, so I'd, I don't think anybody begrudged Scott Morrison deciding to live in Kirribilli House rather than spending most of his time away from his family at the lodge. Anyway, Albo will be there. So I, <laughs> I mockingly put up a, a picture of the beautiful Kirribilli House and said, I wonder whether it'll be up for Airbnb 
usage on a weekend as a nice little learner for the government. No, of course it won't be, but Airbnb, I notice, have made news. The travel accommodation company is being sued by the Australian Competition and Consumer Commission, that's the ACCC. Why? Well, for allegedly misleading customers. The ACCC alleges that between January 2018 and August of last year, Airbnb displayed prices on its website for Australian accommodation without making it clear the prices were in US dollars. Naughty, naughty. When thousands of people complained to Airbnb about being charged more than the display price, the company allegedly falsely told many they had selected the US currency. Really? During the alleged offending period, an Australian customer who believed they were paying $500 for their booking would have paid almost $700 before conversion fees. Fees, that is. Right? It's a big jump, isn't it? So, in other words, you're thinking, the, you know, the price is there, you've got a, a night, some gorgeous Airbnb place, let's just say for argument's sake, down in Berry in the Southern Highlands. Nice. Cold this time of the year, but still nice. Better in spring. Anyway, you think you're paying 500 bucks a night. So you click on, you go, yep, no problem. There's your budget, 500 bucks. And the next thing you know, your credit card's being charged nearly 700. You're thinking, hang on. Hang on, that's not what the price was. And then you realise, oh, it was US dollars. Well, of course, Airbnb should be far more uh, transparent in what they're doing. Anyway, the ACCC chair, Gina Cascott-Lieb, said in a statement yesterday, Airbnb did not compensate many consumers who complained about this conduct. So, we will be arguing that the court should order Airbnb to compensate people who were misled about the price of their accommodation. The ACCC filed the claim in the federal court earlier this week, seeking compensation for affected consumers and other orders. At this stage, Airbnb have not responded to any comments uh, or response uh, to the media. What can they say? They've almost been caught red-handed. Marcus Paul in the morning. All right, welcome back. I mentioned earlier in the program the ridiculous cost of fruit and veggies. We uh, went through why they're so damn expensive at the moment. Uh, that perfect storm, if you like, of uh, you know some overseas supply chain issues and uh, rising consumer costs in in you know in a whole range of areas, including um, you know running of farming machinery, increased petrol prices, etc. And of course, the fact that you know. <laughs> We haven't had the most ideal growing conditions here in Australia for the last year or so with multiple flood events, etc. Anyway, um, as a result, I've noticed that uh, some fast food outlets, I think Ben said this in his call to the program yesterday, uh, that some of the fast food outlets were replacing lettuce with cabbage or <laughs> some sort of alternative. And yes, it's true. I looked it up. A string of major Australian fast food chains have been forced to make changes to their menus amid a lettuce supply crunch across the country. Oh, I like crunchy lettuce. A nationwide shortage and subsequent soaring prices has temporarily changed the way the companies are filling their burgers, their wraps and their sangers. True. Subway 
have announced they will now be mixing their lettuce with cabbage in a leafy blend to cover the shortfall. I reckon you'll probably get more cabbage than lettuce. And KFC announced the exact same change on Tuesday, offering customers the option to customise their items and remove the mix altogether. Now, yesterday, a Hungry Jack spokesperson told Seven News that its eastern state's restaurants had also been affected by a shortage of fresh produce. However, the outlets will not be offering the cabbage blend like Subway and KFC, and instead will serve lettuce in reduced quantities, while the shortage remains and will continue to work with suppliers to maintain supply. Uh, This shortage is expected to continue through June and into July. Well, what about the other mob, Maccas? A McDonald's spokesperson says it was attempting to push through. Maccas says they're working closely with their suppliers to continue to serve up their full menu to customers. Yeah, I can't imagine a Big Mac without the the lettuce. Can you? Anyway, a national shortage is largely due, as I said, to the recent flooding in New South Wales and Queensland. Uh, Subway say being a fresh food company means riding the ups and downs of fresh produce. We're currently facing a shortage of lettuce from our local lettuce farmers. So in the short term, we'll be mixing lettuce with cabbage while more lettuce is on the way. Supply chain shortages, staffing shortages, border closures, petrol prices and other pandemic-related logistics, as I mentioned before, have all contributed to the consumer inflation gripping the Australian economy. Now, a poor outlook for world food production on top of the Russian war in Ukraine and trade restrictions is also pushing commodity prices even higher. Food prices globally... So it's not just here in Australia, but food prices globally are now at their highest levels in a decade and are not expected to ease during this year or much of next year. Australian Bureau of Stats figures released earlier this year showed food prices were up by 4.3% over the year to March. Remember we went through that graph? How much meat had gone up, how much, you know, uh, fruit and veg was going up, etc. Consumer inflation expectations also rose 0.2 percentage points to 5.7%, the highest result since early April. Supermarket costs, we're told, have reached an 11-year high, with iceberg lettuce being sold in supermarkets for as much as $7.98 each or per head. Footage has even emerged of supermarket shoppers stripping the outer leaves off lettuce to line their shopping bags and avoid paying the sky-high prices. Really? Crikey. (laughs) Are people getting that desperate? What are they doing? They're stripping the outer leaves of lettuce to line their shopping bags to avoid... Oh, dear. Food Bank New South Wales and ACT CEO John Robertson... Well, he said yesterday, I think it was yesterday or Tuesday, that right across the country, they're seeing massive increases in demand for food. We're about 50% up on where we were prior to COVID. Pre-COVID, we're delivering around 6 million meals a month. Yeah. So you've got to remember, for re- food relief, I mean, we've always had a, a decent demand for that in Australia for uh, some who are underprivileged. And those that are dealing with, uh, you know, a whole range of socio-economic issues. But now we've got this supply crunch and high inflation. 
well, there's going to be extra demand on these food bank services, these relief services. While Subway has joined KFC in its decision to heavily reduce lettuce, it's not the first time that KFC has had to make major changes to the menu. Remember back in January, there was a chicken shortage? And that forced the chain to reduce their menu items, including their original chicken burgers, zingers, fillets and wings. This, though, was largely due to supplier issues. The shortage coincided with the lifting of COVID restrictions and large volumes of staff were being required to operate, particularly truck drivers and those involved in logistics. Anyway, uh, it all sounds doom and gloom on that front, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. Um, but it's just something we're going to have to try and adjust to. Marcus Paul in the morning. Rightio, uh, that wraps up a, another program. I think it's our 65th program today in this new format here on Starter FM and the iHeartRadio platform and TuneIn, etc. Um, anyway, that's, that's, <laughs> that's all, folks, for today. We'll be back tomorrow with another couple of hours. Australian Eastern Standard Time, we're always live 7 till 9 for you with uh, my take on the day's news. Your views, of course, from our social media. If you haven't already, give us a subscribe on YouTube. Marcus Paul in the morning there. We're on Facebook. That's where most of you interact. And I love reading through your comments each and every day. Look, I did something I don't normally do yesterday. And, of course, a big story that broke yesterday is the fact that the uh, bloke who's alleged to have raped Sprinting Higgins inside a former minister's office in Canberra. He will stand trial. That trial will start at the end of this month. I put a story up on Bruce Lerman, but I disabled the comments. We've got to be really careful, um, particularly with something that now is before the courts. All right, so uh, I think there was uh, one person messaged me complaining, oh, you're stifling free speech. No, <laughs> what I want is for justice to prevail, whichever way the, the court finds. And, you know, I believe here in Australia, you are innocent until proven guilty. And I've always felt a little bit uncomfortable. I have to say as much as I appreciate the wonderful, uh, the courage and all the rest of it that it took Brittany Higgins to come forward, but I believe she spoke out just a little bit too much. And I, I do worry whether the alleged, the accused, will get a fair trial or not. Now, anyway, that's my thoughts on that. But that's why I disabled the comments on the uh, the Facebook page. Enjoy the rest of today. We'll be back tomorrow for the final uh, program of this week. I was right yesterday when I suggested it'll be a, a short week next week. So we won't be back on Monday, but we'll be back on Tuesday, all right, for a short working week next week with the public holiday. Have a great day. Please be uh, safe on the roads, particularly if you're travelling in some of those areas that remain icy with some snow still falling in some areas below 900 metres. Take it easy. Catch you tomorrow. Bye for now. All right, this will get you the goodies.